Grow stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future. Winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. All right. We got a treat today, Mr. Tim Shubsda. Um, Nickname was call sign Scooby. How'd you come? Right. How'd that come about? Man, I, I wish I had a great story for you. Uh, I don't. Um, my last name Shubsda. My brother was uh, a pilot in front of me, so his call sign was Shuby. Uh, and then they gave me the call sign Scooby. Where do you get uh, a so call have... sign from? Like, how does that call sign generate? So you don't get to pick your own. I'll tell you that much. Uh, when you join a, a squadron, it's probably within the first two months, uh, things you do, uh, whether it's at a party or work, it's typically, uh, something, uh, something you screwed up or something you've said, uh, something dumb, dumb you've done. Uh, and then, uh, the JOs will get up and they'll put 15 names on the board and then all the pilots will come in and you'll start voting it down to like the top three. And then typically the way it ends up is the one that you like the least is the one that you're going to end up with. Gotcha. Uh, that that happens in a, a factory too. Sometimes people get nicknames I'd say very often. I had an old mechanic named uh, Ron and he, uh, I guess my nickname that he told me about it uh, was uh, U-turn. Cause I like to make a lot of U-turns like, Oh, I forgot <laughs> this or, you know, whatever. So that's a, that's a good, good story on the call sign, how that generates. I just, I never knew it. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's, I mean, I didn't, Tony, I didn't hear the word Tim, my name for 10 years that I was flying. Nice. I mean, it was Scooby. And so when I transitioned out to the corporate side, it was hard even like introducing myself as Tim. I was so used to, to Scooby and it was just Scooby, 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 Scooby. And so starting to hear Tim again was, was different, man. Cause of military life, it was Scooby for 10 years. And now actually the funny thing is my boss calls me Scooby, nice. uh, and, and people that, you know, are around that. Are like what? Why? Why are they calling you Scooby? Nice. So, give him the backstory on that. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so, you're born and raised, and I'll probably butch, butcher this name. Uh, born and raised in Sachis, Sachis, Saxy. Yeah. So, yeah, that the spelling totally doesn't pronounce <laughs> <That's laughs> the right. pronunciation there. Texas, and you're currently yeah. living there now. It's in the Dallas area. Um, a graduate of uh, uh, help me with the high school name too. Yeah, Naaman Forest. Naaman Forest High School. Um, Navy football senior, 99, class of 2000. Place kicker by trade. Um, graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Um, become a jet pilot. Uh, F-18s specifically. F-A-18s specifically. That's definitely a, a different breed. Um, and talking with the people that I know that fly jets, um, takes a special individual for sure. Um you know, you fly jets, then go to uh, become an instructor at RAG. What's, what's RAG instructor pilot? What's that? Yes, yeah, so the RAG is where once you finish training uh, 
jet training and get your wings, whether it's Kingsville or Meridian, Mississippi, they send you what they call the RAG. Uh, and it's just a training pipeline for six to nine months typically to get through. So I was instructed for those men and women coming out of Kingsville or Meridian out of the T-45 into the, into the F-18. Nice. So. It's funny how teaching people things, even things that you do on a day-to-day, um, how, how much you learn while you're teaching things you didn't oh my gosh know, right i don't think there's any any better way to learn than by teaching right like right. and even in my new role like like it's applies uh you know everywhere whether it's you know teaching you know flying aircraft or teaching uh how to turn a wrench on a you know conveyor belt or whatever it might might be it's that's how you learn right absolutely uh from an instructor um move on to joint op center xo centcom tampa florida uh, then you transition um, into the HR department at J.C. Penney with a focus on military affairs. Uh, from there on to what you're currently doing and training and operations uh, in your current position. Hobbies, lake, lake, lake. I like it. That's mine, too. I like getting out to the lake. Good thing about Kentucky is there are a lot of them. I'm actually going to go tomorrow. Go rip some fish. Um, ambassador for Carry the Load. You know, you got some, uh, some deep involvement there. Um, you know, I've already had one of the founders on here, Clint Bruce. The other one I need to get on is named Stephen Holly, and he actually has a memory or two. So that'll be fun. All right. Memory section. John Faye uh, remembers you as a, a four-year letter winner, and he single-handedly won our Army-Navy game senior year 99. Uh, you may have even set a <laughs> record hardly. for that series with four field goals. Four field goals? Yeah, it was four. Yeah, I nice. think the record was five, uh, but I had four in that game. I did not single-handedly win that. Uh, I went ahead 12 points, but uh, yeah, it was, a nice, it was a nice way to go out for the team, right? Just to, to win our senior year. It was, uh, it was a special moment, man. Yeah, yeah. You've been there, right? It's, awesome. It's awesome. 100% for sure. Uh, the next three guys, um, you may or may not have shared a house with them in uh, Annapolis. First one, Stephen Holly, and this is a fun story. <laughs> Um, you burned down a sponsor car at the gate eight bridge. How'd that go fact. down? That is fact that, uh, that was me, Stephen Holly, Aaron Rigby, and my brother, Matt. So our sponsor, uh, his name was Hutch. Uh, and when you think about like a, a pirate, like that's, that's Hutch, right? This old man with a gray beard, with like the thing over his eye. Uh, I think he was like a 1930 grad of the Academy but just an authentic, great dude. So they had went out of town and uh, we were going out that night in, in Baltimore somewhere. I don't remember specifically where. And so we had gotten their station wagon. So this was a station wagon, man, with like the wood paneling on the side, the seat that faces backwards. Yes. Uh, no seatbelt. Yeah, no seatbelt, right? And, and, Marks and Matus, my roommate, was in there, too, uh, from the academy. And so we had went back to the academy to get uh, our clothes or something. I can't remember what it was. So we didn't have permission to borrow the car. Uh, so we were just, you know, borrowing it for the night. And we'd put it back. They were, they were out of town. Like, no harm, no foul. No one's going to know. We'd use it to drive to Baltimore and, and came back. Uh, so we were, <laughs> we were coming out of gate eight. And for my brother had been revving it up, popping it into gear, you know, revving it up neutral, popping it into gear. And one of the, a couple of the gears went out. And so we didn't have first or second gear. And of course we were egging him on to do this too. Come on, Matt, come on, Matt. So rev it up, popping it into gear. Well, we had lost first and second gear. We're coming out of gate 
gate eight and you got the the bridge right there right yeah. and this thing was redlining to get up the bridge and we're sitting in the back seat and there got to a point tony where i couldn't see matt and riggs in the front seat so much smoke had come into the car that we couldn't even see him so <laughs> i think we finally get over the bridge and start heading down and this car is just full of smoke so we have to stop and get out i mean it's become a danger zone at this point uh, and we get out and, and quickly move away from the car. Well, you can see under the car, something's dripping and like a, a spark is starting to come up. No kidding. Within two minutes, this thing is engulfed in flames, like a TV show, like intentionally, <laughs> like where people light cars on fire. Thanks. It is engulfed in flames to the top. Uh, and when the fire department ended up coming and putting it out, all that was left was like the, the frame of this car. Uh, and we're all like, ah, you're going to have to tell Hutch about this dude. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He said, uh, share it. Yeah. uh, Stephen said you, you guys were in civvies. Y'all were third class midshipmen at the time, uh, that your older brother was there, like, as you mentioned, and he kind of took care of the situation where y'all were able to haul tail and, you know, safe yeah. pace. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's probably fair to say we, we broke a few rules that night. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Gino Marchetti. If I pronounce that. Yep, right. Gino Marchetti. Marchetti. Um, he mentioned, and I, it's no secret, you know, that religion has um, always been a North Star for you, um, that it drove you along your journey, a value yes, that he remembers you by is empathy. Uh, very important, especially nowadays, that you're able to put yourself in other shoes. You have one of the biggest hearts with the best intentions. Um, and how your empathy was there even before losing your brother, Matt. And we'll get to that. I'll let you tell that story. Um, that you flowed, you chose to fly jets after graduation uh, right behind uh, your brother. And then he, he also mentioned just watch Teen Wolf. I didn't get <laughs> yeah, that. that. Maybe you do. Up, <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming up. I know that was coming up from Harden or Holly or Gino who that was going to come up from. But yeah, so... So I'm a hairy man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that. Uh, and so Scott Howard, excuse me, Teen Wolf, the movie, the lead yes. character, My J, Michael J. Fox. When uh, I was a kid, I only had a few, v, you know, VCR movies, cassettes, whatever they're called, to watch. And that was one of them. <laughs> well, there you go, man. That's uh, that was that was their nickname for me. So Scott Howard. So so prior to getting into the jet community, getting the call sign Scooby. Uh, I think they probably gave me that call sign my going into my junior year or, you know, call sign called me Scott. So it was like, man, if I was at the one way, it was Scott. Or if I was passing them in the hall, it was it was Scott Howard, man. Gotcha. Uh, so I think everybody at that house probably had a nickname. Some we probably shouldn't talk about. But you know, right. Good stuff. Wow. Very, very kind words from Gino. Uh, I very much appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I do value my my faith and religion and and, and my family. Uh you know, getting involved in that. So we've got values on the wall here in our kitchen. Our number one family values, faith, uh, followed by integrity, growth, and, and balance. But uh, yeah, I appreciate Gino saying those words, especially about a, a just a kicker. 100%. Next one, Matt Harden. Similar story to John and Ben. Uh, Faye, you know, with you and your brother, um, Tim, your older brother, Matt. Um, Harden was kind of in between years of you guys. So he's like, you know, your brother's two years older than you. He was right in the middle, so one year older than you. Um, yep. 
he called you Texas tough. That you had that big Texas truck. That was yeah. the thing about you. Because um, he was a California guy. Um, and there's that whole Texas pride thing where people, you know, ultimately end up getting like tattoos of Texas and stuff. But that same <laughs> thing, I think it probably still happens. Um, so they, they used to give you a hard time because you were the kicker. Uh, yep. Were you getting picked on a lot as the, as the kicker or did you feel like, uh, so, you know, from those guys, it was all good and fun, right? Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, in, in general, kickers are, are looked at as just kind of, a, you know, on the team because they need a kicker, right? Like, it's a position you got to fill. Uh, you know, I, I was great friends with, you know, Lyman, great friends. I mean, Gino, you know, D-Line. I was great friends with Harden running back, Holly quarterback, Faye running back. Uh, so, I – you know, they were my buds and, uh, they did that through good fun. Right. Uh, you know, I, of course they're over there busting their butt in practice, you know, hitting and running their drills. And uh, I had the fortunate ability, uh, you know, to go over and kick the ball 30, 40 times a, a day. Right. Uh, and you can only kick so much. Yeah. So, uh, I think when kickers get put on an Island, uh, and get, you know, made fun of their, their fun was good fun. Uh, is when they don't interact with the team, right? They they don't, you know, pride themselves on friendships or, or you know, being there when other people need them. Uh, you know, I found pride in building good, strong friendships with people and, and hopefully being a ear that they could, you know, turn to if they needed one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I love it. I mean, if I was to meet up with those guys today, I'm sure, you know, the first thing they'd say is, hey, Scott, how are the kickers here, right? Uh, awesome. But, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, good stuff. <laughs> It's such a critical play, you know, that critical, you know, you don't get many times to get knocked down and get back up as a kicker, right? Like it's on the no. spot. You're flying solo a little bit, you know, obviously you got to probably have a pretty good relationship with your snapper. Um, and if you haven't yet, listen to the Joe Cardona episode because he kind of yeah, goes absolutely. deep into that. Um it's it's a yeah i caught a uh, caught a the uh you know bite you did on it like the one minute bite on linkedin but i'll have to watch the whole thing yeah no it's he goes into that and um just like long snapping kickers a critical position for sure yeah. all right um another one from harden he, he enjoyed watching you grow um and knock down that you know final army navy your senior year uh that kick because he was a you know we called tad but a graduate assistant type of, of role he was in that um the season after he'd graduated so uh that was fun for him uh, he got to know your brother well in the jets community and then um tim comes along uh, a dude named james norse maybe flight instructor yeah james norse is a flight instructor yeah he'd asked he with harden yeah he'd asked harden like hey who's who's the next dude good dude coming through he's like i timmy's on the way um and then you guys actually did some reserve duty together for a couple of years at yeah. the house so yeah we were in uh third fleet together and i'd seen matt and you know randomly here and there maybe but uh it was cool man getting to see him uh every weekend and you know and, and you see your buds that you graduate with or played ball with when you see him it's like man you hadn't missed a day right like you pick up right where you left off and I think that's, you know, as we think about the experiences we had, uh, it's something cool about those friendships. You know, you, you can't create those on the civilian side from a standpoint of you're not involved in, you know, 
some of the situations we were in the military, right? You can't create that in a corporate building, right? Like whether it's, you know, flying, you know, on the battlefield or in a, you know, a, a strenuous training environment and, you know, you get through it with your bud and yeah, uh, sure, so yeah, yeah, man. And so it was, it was awesome to see Matt for like three years, every weekend, just about. And then uh, we did an AT together and in, in San Diego. Uh, so yeah, I think Matt's captain now. Uh, he's had a great reserve career. Nice. Yeah, proud of Matt. Cool. He closed it out with, you know, he's, you're a tremendous guy. Um, on to last memory, uh, guy, a guy named Joel Payne. Um, he said, Tim had an infectious positive attitude. Always excited to see you. Um, you kept in touch with him after he'd, ex um, excelled in the ELP program and executive leadership program under your training and mentorship. Uh, from that graduation program all the way through and beyond his uh, reserve call to Kuwait for a year that he had to do. Yeah. Um, getting him back connected uh, and up to speed yeah. with, with the company and that you were a big family man. Yeah, love Joel Payne, man. Good dude. Of course, obviously military man. Uh, came through and, and yeah, he kicked butt in the executive leadership program there, emerging leader program that, uh, that was created. And uh, He's gone on to do great things uh, at the company and just strong leader. Yeah. Uh, wasn't no surprise with his experience in the military. And uh, I still see Joel still, you know, once every couple months when I swing through that facility. So good no dude. Doubt. Appreciate the words from him as well. He's definitely still knocking it down. So that's a good story. All right. That's the end of the memory section. Uh, this is where I turn over to you. And, you know, can you give us a detailed life's journey for us? Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking out my window here back in Saxe, Texas, uh, where I grew up. It was, uh, when I was younger, let's call it a town of, of 5,000 now since has grown to, to 25,000. I mean, this, where my house sits right now, my brother-in-law used to farm hay on this land. Nice. Uh, so grew up here, went to high school, uh, at Naaman Forest, uh, had an older brother, Matt, uh, I have a sister that's uh, seven years younger than me and then a, a brother uh, two years younger than her. Uh, my dad was a Dallas police officer for 40 years. He retired shortly after I got out. So let's call it about 11 years ago. Uh, so spent 40 years there and did all the stuff that, uh, you know, I enjoyed watching him do. And I know he enjoyed doing road motors, did narcotics, did uh, vice patrol. I uh, did all those things. Uh, so also my mother was a school teacher, uh, which, you know, as I look back, the amount of things that she was able to juggle with getting us to all the sports we got to, and then have a in stellar career of her own of 25 years, uh, is just really impressive. Uh, both of them always there for us. Grew up in a very disciplined household. Uh, when I thought about, you know, colleges, I, I will tell you like the Naval Academy would, would not have been on my list had my brother not been there. Uh, that was the only reason I even sent like a, a video to them. I uh, was like, well, Matt's there. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, I'll send them a video. Uh, so went through high school there, uh, played, uh, baseball, football were the two sports I, I focused on when it came to my senior year. Uh, I had a scholarship offer from rice nice. and then, uh, had the appointment to the, to the Naval Academy and, 
I have no problem saying this. Had Matt not been there, I wouldn't have gone to Naval Academy. You know, even with the, the full offer, it just wasn't that enticing to me. Uh, I would have been at Rice, and then who knows where my path would have taken me. But uh, I'm fortunate I did. Uh, I went and uh, had a, a good four years there. I mean, you've been there, right? I'm preaching the the, the crowd. Uh, I'm sure many people have said it, but the first year, just just miserable. Didn't like really enjoy anything about it. Uh, was fortunate to have won the starting job my freshman year. Uh, kicked kicking field goals and kicking off. Second game of the year, I lost my job. Uh, I missed a field goal or two against SMU. Uh, and Tom came in and and fortunately made a couple and helped us win that game. Uh, and then kicked on and off field goals uh, for those next. Three, three years through my junior year, kicked off all four years, and my senior year, I, I handled uh, all the, the kicking duties. Uh, learned a lot, man. Learned a lot about I thought I'd learned a lot, like, growing up as a child, but when you get put, you know, call it 2,300 miles away from your parents, and you only get to talk to them, you know, once a week as a freshman, you grow up pretty quick. Uh, so, the academy taught me a ton, man. Like, how to multitask, how to prioritize my time, uh, how important like friendships and, and how important my brother was in my life. And, uh, so joy, joyed my four years there after my freshman year, I, 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 I had experience probably that were, you know, on the weekends, very similar to a normal college kid, as far as going out and, and doing things like that. Uh, football was of course a huge part of my life there, man. I, I mean, spend as many hours as you did and everyone else on this call over at, you know, Ricketts Hall and on the practice, uh, practice fields and uh, in the weight room or wherever it might have been. Uh, I'm sure Harden will tell you, and then we'll tell you, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean weight room? She was the one never in the weight room, but I was in there, man. I might've been on the treadmill, but I was in there. There you go. Uh, yeah. So awesome experience, man. Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it uh, for anything. We'll, we'll do it all over again. Uh, I was lucky too, right? I had coming in my freshman year, I had a brother that was a junior. So I'll give you a funny story. My, uh, second class in plebe summer was Fumi Adeyemi. Uh, he was one of my brother's great friends. So I would say about 90% of the questions, Tony, I got asked like at tables during plebe summer. It was always the same question from Fumi. <laughs> hey, Shubza, what's the E5 Marine Corps go? So, like, I mean, that guy had hooked me up, man, with his other people are like weapon systems on DDG, weapon systems on F-18, this and that, shoots the E-5 in the Marine Corps. Uh, it was awesome having my brother's room to go to, right? Like, to just just get away, man, decompress. I mean, Matt opened his room to, to everybody. I know Holly spent, you know, time in there and Frank Greco and the list goes on. Probably many people you talk to that were freshmen spent, spent time in Matt's room. Uh, so good experience. Uh, you know, traveling all four years was awesome. Really, really cool, to, especially as a freshman, to, to be able to get away and, you know, stay in hotels and, uh, you know, get out of Bancroft for a little bit, right? Yeah. Recharge your batteries. Uh, playing it at South Bend two years was, oh, man, what an experience. That was, you know, I, I know, like, we are, like, Let's beat Notre Dame. Let's beat Notre Dame. I always wanted to go to Notre Dame. That was like my school, like that I wanted to go to, like to be able to kick there would have been an absolute dream. So I guess the second best thing uh, is getting to play there. Uh, and we played some competitive games. We, you know, my senior year, we senior or junior, I, I can't remember. Uh, we went ahead with like three minutes left 
think that's when Jerry Jackson was a quarterback and they ended up driving down and scoring a touchdown to beat us. Uh, but my dad was able to come to that game with, with his friend and, uh, got to play in Dallas my freshman year in the cotton bowl when SMU right. was playing at the cotton bowl. Yeah. They hadn't redone their facility, uh, there on campus yet. Uh, so that was a, a super cool experience. And then I heard, you know, I was listening to Ben's and, and Clint's podcast recently and, man, as a freshman, and this is a, a quick, funny story. When I was getting recruited and, and Weatherby was at my house, I'll never forget this, standing in my kitchen, he said, do you want to play in the Loja Bowl next year if you do come to Navy? Yes. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, a chance that happening, but it sounds fun. Well, I found myself in Loja Bowl my freshman year kicking off, and we're playing Cal Berkeley, right? Yeah. And at that time, they had Mariucci was their head coach, and Tony Gonzalez was their tight end. Uh, and we ended up winning 42, 38. So getting a week in Hawaii wasn't, wasn't bad deal, man. Nice. Uh, just a real cool experience. Yeah. Y'all had a pretty cool staff after talking to Jervy, Aloda, Clint, like the coaching staff back then was definitely a unique one and people went off to do a lot of different things. Uh, good things oh. after that. A ton of good things, man. I mean, I think about DeRuiter went on to head coach at a number of places, Tim DeRuiter, who was our defense coordinator at the time. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of good bumpus went on to do a number of good things. Uh, you know, and of course, Patterson, who actually left before I got there and went to TCU for 15 years, established a legacy there, man. Yeah. Uh, some, some really great coaches. And, you know, Tommy Ray, our linebacker coach, I was close to him, man. Just that guy is amazing. Just a great dude. Great, great guy. Uh, you know, the list goes on. And then the coaches that left and came back. Uh, so, awesome. yeah, special group of guys. Well, cool. Keep going. What's next for Tim? So, so after, let's go here, uh, get to my senior year. Uh, I want to be a Navy SEAL, man. I didn't want to be a fighter pilot. I really have a desire to be, uh, again, I go back to my dad and I had the chance to go with him when, you know, he did some of his narcotic narcotic stings and, and watch, uh, them, you know, knock these door downs and, it's like, man, that's something I want to do. And, and SEAL sounds like the, the closest thing I can do to that in the military. So me and Steven did, Holly did a SEAL screener my senior year. Uh, it's a one-day deal. And it was in February. There was snow on the ground. The Severn was freezing. It was perfect conditions. experience. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, perfect conditions, right, for those instructors. They loved it. Uh, so Steve and I ended up completing it. Uh, when I completed it, I went, why, why would I want to do something like this? But anyways, uh, I ended up putting, you know, my name in a hat for a, a seal billet and, and I didn't get one. And I'll tell you, man, I was, I was pretty beat up about it. Like it was something I, I really wanted to do. I didn't I put aviation down because I had to put something second, right? Like yeah. that was what I, I had a Navy seal flag hanging in my room, like growing up before, you know, I said, I didn't want to go to Naval Academy, but I always did want to like be a Navy seal, whether it was through OCS or whatever it might've been. Uh, so I was crushed. I was pretty stinking beat up, man. Uh, super happy for Holly. I mean, the guy deserved it, uh, and went on to have a, a great, you know, seal career and has done some really, really special things. Uh, so I got a, a, a pilot slot and at that time, that was two years ahead of me. So he was, he was probably in Meridian. He had already selected jets and was finishing up training in Meridian. And I had moved to Pensacola. Matter of fact, I know he was because when I was in Pensacola, I drive up to Meridian to visit him and he went through the T2 and T45 there. Uh, so I went to Pensacola 
ended up going through ground school and going to Corpus uh, for T-34s, which is the single engine prop plane. Then you go through that and based on how you finish uh, from written ex- from a written exam standpoint uh, and then flight, they grade you on all your flights, uh, you select what you want. It was jets, helos, props. So they think three categories you could select back then. And you might finish number one in your class, but the needs of the Navy is what dries, you know, what's Yeah, open. there's a spread, right? So, yeah, exactly right. So fortunately, I, I don't remember where I finished, but wherever I finished, they had a, a jet spot open uh, in Kingsville. So I traveled south of Corpus about 60 miles, went to live in the thriving metropolis of, of Kingsville for a year maybe, uh, and was in, in the jet pipeline, and that's where they teach you the basics of you know, dogfighting, maneuvering, and and dropping bombs, uh, low-level flying, instrument flying, those kinds of things. Uh, again, through Matt, one of my instructors, uh, Les Phillips, uh, was a good friend of Matt's and was one of my instructors. So fortunately, got to do a number of, of flights with him and got to go on the road with him to, for some instrument flights and, and whatnot. At the end of flights, excuse me, at the end of jet training, you then put in your choices at that time. Sadly enough, man, it's, it's crazy even saying this because it's been 23 years, but there was S3s, there was F14s, there was F18s, and there were Super Hornets, and there was Prowlers. S3s are decommissioned, uh, Prowlers are decommissioned, F18s uh, is no longer an option. You can go F18 Super Hornet, uh, and F14s are gone. So all those all those platforms I cruise with are, are decommissioned outside of the the Super Hornet, which is a new platform uh, at the time, probably about three years three years old. So uh, what's the big difference between the F eighteen and then the Super Hornet? Uh, range and payload. So okay. how far it can go, how much gas it can carry, and and the amount of uh, ordnance it can carry. Yes. If you looked at them and you weren't familiar with jets, outside of being a little bit bigger. Uh, you think it was the same jet. If it was parked sideways and, you know, 50 yards apart, someone would say that's the same jet. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, advanced in, in some of its uh, uh, things it can carry it and whatnot. So I got into F-18s, uh, single seat uh, jets, traveled out to Lemoore, California. Uh, and, and that's where I went into jets. And I, I guess this is where I can share uh, the story of Matt. So it was, when I was finishing up Kingsville, I had just done my last flight uh, on October 18th. I had just finished up. I was heading back to my house, and, and my buddy, Chris Ryder, uh, he didn't live by me, but he, he didn't turn to go to his house. He ended up following me home. And I thought, man, that's kind of weird. So I pull up on my front, and Chris pulls up behind me and says, hey, man, your parents trying to get a hold of you, uh, and they're not able to get a hold of you. Uh, and then they got, they really need to talk to you, man. So I thought, okay, that's, that's really odd. So that's when I ended up calling my parents and, you know, for the mom or dad had shared the news that Matt was in an accident. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's no, it's okay. I usually, usually don't get like this, but, uh, Matt was in an accident and, uh, all four men had, had, had died in a major collision. And it's one of those things, Tony, when I hear, heard it, I even cry. It was like, no, nah, this it's not real, man. Yeah. Like, the, this is, the denial phase, right? Yeah. There is no way, like, the brother I grew up with that I did everything with that I just got off the phone with, like, you know, within the last week, man, that just sent me, 
you know, a, a birthday card and, and a CD. There's, there's no way that he's not here anymore, man. Uh, so obviously I, I headed home and, uh, took a couple weeks off and went out to, to Lamar for the Memorial. Uh, so it was a, it was a training accident when they were running essentially a blue versus red, a four V four. And, uh, and the two aircraft uh, collided and all four men lost at sea. Uh, the reserve pilot, who happened to be an American Airlines pilot that was doing the investigation, had called me over my to his house like after I met him and he said, hey, I'm doing this. If you ever care to come listen to the audio tapes, uh, you're welcome to come over. And there was nothing to it, Tony. Like there was a call where Matt's, you know, rogered up and that was it. Like you didn't hear any watch out. Oh my gosh, you didn't hear anything. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, just really unfortunate circumstance. And uh, I think everybody that you've interviewed, uh, whether it was, you know, likely not a, a sibling, but have lost like brothers, right? Like the brotherhood, you know, the the list goes on, unfortunately. The J.P. Blacksmiths, the, the Winchesters, the, the bourgeois, man, uh, all just... Sad things, but it's it's what you sign up for, right? Like you don't think it's going to happen, but it's reality. Uh, and when you know we were going through in two thousand, I mean, Iraq was in full swing, and in two thousand one, and two, and three, and four, and then Afghanistan, and six, and seven, and eight. Uh, what family? Yeah, you can let him in. Uh, and so, yeah, man, it was tough. I, I'll tell you, it really. Was, was it was tough on both my parents but my mom was really really took it hard and uh you know as he was my brother but you know this was her first son and uh and so watching her struggle was was tough and i don't think it made things easier for her that i was stepping in the same community that he was in sure and that he had you know he hadn't deployed yet and I was about to deploy here in the future and had three deployments where I was gone and i can imagine you know while I was gone, the, the stress that she had, uh, and, and, and things, but, you know, Matt taught me two things. Well, he taught me many things, many, many things, but, but two things that he taught me that, you know, I, I share as I, you know, have the chance to with other people and, and I'll share here is, is always root for the underdog, right? Uh, it's a lot of people out there that are less fortunate than, than us that, that need a friend need a companion, need a partner, need, you know, someone to pick them up when they're down. And when I went to visit Matt's squadron mates, one of the guys that called me to the side and he said, man, your brother's a good dude. And he said, I'm not, I'm not one of those popular dudes. And Matt always had time for me, man. And I just appreciated like him taking time to spend with me, although I wasn't part of the crowd, right? I wasn't one of the, you know, yeah. That's a good dude right the there. Squadron, that's, right? that's how you know, like, time well spent, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, and the second was, I remember him calling one day and saying, "Man, I got this guy from my sim instructor tomorrow, Matt, and he is just not got a good reputation. He's hard and uh, tough." And Matt said, "Tim, you need to formulate your own opinions about other people. Don't let someone say." someone you know is a bad instructor or this you go in and you determine that on your own uh and so a lot of these people that said man that's a tough flight instructor i i went in with that attitude and found myself like valuing that uh that information like they weren't yeah. bad right it Put was just maybe they had a, shoes 
yeah, maybe they had a bad experience with, with that instructor, but it doesn't mean I'm going to. And, and so those two things are important. But yeah, but Matt, you know, you, you said it, make an impact right here. He's 27 years and he made a bigger impact that many people will make in, in 80, 85 years. And, uh, and you can hear that talking to other people. And I know he's in a better place, man. And I, I can't wait to get up there and see him. Uh, but, and I think it, it makes us stronger, right? I mean, I guess this is an opportunity too to talk about carry the load. Uh, so I had a chance through, you know, I don't really do podcasts that much, but this is a great opportunity where I, I, I know I'm, I'm emotional here, but this is where I love sharing his story because he was such an impactful person and did so much and, and carry the load gives you the opportunity to do that. And I know you're in Kentucky and I don't know. Yeah, I watched your YouTube video already today. Oh, did you? Yeah. If man, if you ever get the chance to come back to Dallas, uh, on that weekend, get out there and walk because yeah. the stories are endless, man, of these first responders and firefighters, police officers, military. And the sad thing is they got all these tribute posters and they got the date they died and they got their age on them. And it's just really tough walking and seeing 19, 21, 22 years old, 23, 22 years old. And it's like these people, like what they did and those two to three years in the, in the military, right? The sacrifices they made. It's just, it's an awesome event. It's first class. It was, you know, put together by two great men and Stephen and Clint. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's helped my family heal tremendously, tremendously. And it's been, it's given us an avenue, Mandy, my wife and I to, to share with the girls and Matthew, my youngest son, who's named Matthew after Matt, what Memorial Day is about, right? Uh, and so they love it, man. They love it. They get excited about it about two weeks before the event every year. They figure out ways to raise money. Uh, they started bringing their friends this year and their friends love it. Uh, so it's just a special, special weekend for us. Awesome. Yeah. I'd written down a, <clears throat> a question for you around that. What's, what's the work and, uh, why is it so important to you and the fam? I think you just answered that. So, yeah. Right. And, and, you know, money can help fix some things. And what I mean by that is this money is going to organizations that are doing great things, right? So they don't carry the load, doesn't like utilize those funds for themselves. They send them to other organizations that are doing things, helping, you know, families that are hurting, helping disabled veterans, helping, you know, things like that. But this is an event where no one's given us any money. We don't, you know, we don't need money uh, for healing, but what we need is an opportunity to, emotionally like let go and share a story and, and talk to others that have had similar experiences. Uh, so it's been, I mean, you can't put a price on what that event has, has done for our family. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that was finishing up Kingsville, went to, excuse me, went to Lemoore, California, uh, out there on, on the West coast where, uh, the Navy's main jet base is. And flew there with V or went through the rags, did my year of training there, and then flew with VFA 25 Fist of the Fleet for for three years. Uh did two three deployments, uh two West Packs, uh, and then one uh deployment Iraq uh, OIF of 06. Third deployment is interesting from a standpoint. I mean, you can't make this sub up, some of the stuff that happens in the military. I took two weeks off, came home to get married. Uh, my opso's name was Rooster. Driving back with a trailer behind me, I had already had orders to go be a rag instructor starting in like a month. 
my opso calls me. He's like, hey, man, I heard the wedding was great. Talked to Barmet and this and that and this and that. Hey, I, I got to uh, share some news. Uh, we're surging and XO, excuse me, Skipper is going to have your orders modified and we're going to bring you with us on a deployment and we're going to leave in three weeks or four weeks. Coming back from my wedding to be an instructor and find out, uh, you know, I get an org mod to go on a third deployment that I wasn't supposed to go on. Uh, so, of course, I'm sitting here next to my new bride uh, who's just been a trooper. We talk about like all the sacrifices, like maybe military or that we do make. Right. But the sacrifice these family members make, man, yeah. uh, our wives and our children. Like, I mean, unless you live in those sh in their shoes, you, you just don't appreciate all that they do right like carrying on all the the daily things of getting the kiddos to school and you know keeping a job and going to family events and all of that so that was, that was her first experience as a bride was i'm not going to be at home for the next three years i'm about to leave for three months before i can even come back and do that right you know yep. by the way you know i didn't even know what this employment entails like we're surging there's some importance here not sure where we're going <laughs> what we're doing <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that must have been a crazy deployment, huh? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was actually it was more of a uh, ended up being more of a Westpac, but uh, I was the the, the bitter Jo out there at first. So I was, you know, just you know, took a while to get over it, but finally got over it and uh, did that deployment. How'd you get over back. that? I, I guess I didn't really have an option, man. Okay, yeah. So your back <laughs> was in the corner. That's where I thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, did that deployment, came back, was an instructor at the RAG there for three years, went down to CENTCOM uh, and was the uh, executive officer in the Joint Operations Center there. That was when Petraeus was was uh, the four-star there. And then Mattis came in on his backside when Petraeus got pulled out to Afghanistan, I, I believe. And did that for a year and then got out, man. Uh, uh, I did decide to stay in the Navy Reserves. Uh which I was halfway home, man. I was at 11 years with flight school and, and everything, an eight-year commitment with my wings, which I don't know what the commitment was, but it put me at essentially 11 years. Uh, so I thought it was going to be a hard decision. It wasn't because it wasn't the life. The, the military life was not at that time what I wanted for my family to continue to deploy. I just had Brooklyn uh, as our first child and uh, I wanted to be home, watch, watch the kids grow up, right? We wanted to have more kids. And so I joined the reserves and it's been awesome, man. It's, it's been a great experience. Uh, I've been in now for 23 years. I just hit, uh, going on 24 within Tony, the first year and a half, uh, my phone rang when I was sitting at JC Penny and it was my commanding officer. And he said, Hey Tim, I just got notified that you're getting your orders to Djibouti Africa. Oh, I was pissed off was not happy. Yeah. I signed up for the reserves, but you never think your phone is going to ring, right? Yeah. And you're going to be like, hey, you're deploying for a year. The The difference in reserves and active duty is you do workups, you do workups, you deploy. You work up, work up, deploy in active duty, right? The reserves is kind of like, I'm rolling the dice. I might get deployed. I might not. Well, I got deployed. Uh, I'll tell you this, man. It was the best deployment of my life. It was nice. unbelievable. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Uh, I was I was super scared that it gone for a year, Tony, that my two children were going to forget who I was. Yeah. I mean, you saw I saw it on just six month deployments, right? These men and women come back and, and their kids, you know, at the fly ins, like not even hug their dads because they know they don't know who they are. 
right? They're at that age where they, they don't know who they are. Uh, I think at this time in my life was I needed deployment, man. And what I mean by that is I need an opportunity to kind of get my life back on the track that I want. Not that I was out in left field, but I wasn't, I had lost my track on focusing on my faith. We hadn't picked a church. Manny and I weren't going to church. I wasn't, you know, practicing, uh, you know, and, and growing my faith. And I got involved back in the Catholic church there, I actually became an acolyte and uh, went to church every Sunday there, uh, got involved in a, uh, kind of a giving campaign back to the the local orphanage that was tied in with the church, uh, man. And it was just, it was awesome. Came home, my, my wife and children, two daughters at that time, uh, were involved in a, in a church or had found a church. And, and so we started going and, and now, uh, it's led me to where I'm, I'm teaching fourth and fifth graders, fourth and fifth graders. My wife and I teach a class. Uh, and I, I'll tell you this, man, it's taught me that there's so much more I need to learn about my faith. And I was teaching a first grade class about three years ago. And one of the kids asked me, why does God not forgive the devil? And man, Tony, I went, dude, I don't know, but I know one thing I need to like start getting some answers. You guys are asking, you know, I think you're asking the hard questions. These first graders, man, yeah. they're asking some tough questions, it's, man. It's just like building the defense. You're never done, right? It's just like <laughs> yeah, life. You're never right. done. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I, had to, I had to call my pastor and set up a, a meeting uh, and, and talk to him about it. Uh, but that deployment, man, it, again, it helped me, you know, get focused on what I need to get focused Was on. Was there anything and, and in particular during that deployment that, the light switched and you're like, I need to refocus. Or was it just a matter of the entire No, there was not there was no one moment. No. I think it's you know, we work on it hard on deployment, but you also have a lot of free time, right? Whether it's yeah. laying in bed and your mind's racing and things like that. I think just from probably going to church the first Sunday, I went, Man, I gotta be back in this. Oh. I mean, this isn't optional. This is like Sham this is why I'm here and yeah, and this is it's what I need to do. So no, not one thing. Okay. Uh so I came back at eight months for two two weeks, maybe whatever it was, ten days, two weeks, and I remember like having that feeling, like Finn, especially Finn. Finn was a younger one. Finley was not going to know who I was. And Terminal D at DFW, I walked through, and man, here come Brooklyn Finley running up to me, and they both like grab my legs, and uh, Finley looks up to me and says, "Daddy, I miss you so much." And Brooklyn says, "I love you," and I'm like, "Dude." Going for eight months for this moment here was worth it. Like yeah. that was just worth it. Like this reunion. Right I just got here. goosebumps. Oh man, it was so special. Uh, so yeah, in the reserves now, I'm with uh, Seventh Fleet, uh, and I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm. I'm. I think about it monthly. Like when am when am I ready to to eject and and pull the plug and retire? Uh, so, so you're at, going the, you're at the retirement mark. You're just still going, huh? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, still going. Uh, I mean, it, the reserve system's kind of different, and, and you can build your retirement up. But uh, I, I would encourage anyone to at least entertain it. Uh, there's a chance you get deployed, but th then you know when they're we're at the academy, right? When we're JOs, we complain and we moan about how tough the military is and this and that. The military's given me more than I can ever give it back. Uh, the experiences, the friendships, the stuff we're talking about, the stuff you talk with all these other men about on this podcast is just. The military has provided that opportunity. That's the fact. Nice. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, real quick, um, I just wrote this down as you were talking about jets and flying them. What's your biggest pucker factor or like the scariest part about flying jets? Well, I mean, no doubt landing at night on a carrier. Landing at in, night on a, a carrier. Landing at night on a carrier with a pitching deck uh, where when you're landing, there's there's a lens, right? I, you've probably seen the movie Top Gun. I think they say call the ball. There's a There's a lens like this, and on this right here is a yellow ball. And if you're flying, that yellow ball will tell you whether you're high or low. Well, when the deck is pitching at night, you can't reference that ball. Yeah. So they do have a manual system of moving it and stuff. But I tell you, talk about trust. There's some people on the end of the deck called landing signal officers. I mean, you put all your trust in them because you're seeing the runway lights, right? And, you know, if there's a... A, a full moon out, you can even see the back of the carrier, right? And they're saying you're on glide path, you're on glide slope. And you're like, dude, I'm looking at the ass end of a carrier right now. Like you <laughs> telling me I'm on glide slope, you better be right. So you probably uh, uh, bought so, them lunch a few times, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so no doubt. I mean, that was, that was one thing like landing on that carrier at night. I don't think there was a time where I didn't do it and wasn't like, yeah, like, because it was tough, man. It yeah. was tough. Although, you know, we've all, you know, that the deploy in the carry community do, end up doing it like at minimum 100 times. If you stay in all the way to commanding officer, you're probably talking about night landings in the 300, 400 uh, range. Uh, it's something you are proficient and good at, but it's nothing you get excited about either. I tell you, it's just, it's, it stinks. It's just not fun, man. Especially, well, like, you know, many of those, I say many. A number of times people have lost and had to land single engine at night, right? Uh, one single engine night landing I had was was fortunately at dusk uh, or sunset, and so uh, at least there was some light out. But and the reason yeah, for funny. single engine and just one goes out or. Uh, yeah, it could be a number of things. Mine was a, a false firelight, so I had to you know, assume it was re real, and so I had gotcha. to you know push the fi push firelight and shut uh, gas to the left engine down, and then you're rolling with one engine, right? And, and you don't get the kinda, response. Yeah, exactly. Your reaction. Sluggish. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah, the jet's sluggish. Uh, it doesn't have the spool up time and the power up that you need, especially if you bolter. You can think about going off the end of the deck with two engines. You lift pretty quick with one engine. You're going to sink a little bit before you lift. So yeah, to answer your question, no doubt that was that was the uh, the nerve wracking part about flying is night landing. Gotcha. Um, back to Navy football real quick. I missed this one, um, but I want to ask it. Do you have any good memories playing side by side with your brother? Specific instances that? Yeah, you remember? absolutely, man. Uh, the one that comes to mind uh, when anyone asked about playing with Matt was Army Navy game when we both were on the same kickoff team. Uh, and, and that game, I mean, you've been to them, right? You talk about having chills. I've never walked through that tunnel and not had chills, like looking up at the stadium going, man, this is just a special moment. But looking down the line and seeing Matt on the same kickoff team, I'll never forget that, ever. Yeah. I can picture him right now, number 28, standing down there, man. Nice. Yep. All right, to transition. Uh, any cool transition learnings um, coming out of the military, going into the you know, corporate field? Uh. It was, a, it was a lot more challenging than I thought, man. Uh, I think, you know, the men and women that come out of the military have a special skill set that's leadership. What I think they're missing is a lot of the analytical rigor uh, that the corporate values, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, and, man, I was stepping into a lot of stuff that I knew nothing about. I didn't know a corporation, you know, had 
and finance and HR and compliance and legal and marketing. And, you know, you can keep going and going. Right. So it was very challenging for me, man. Uh, I would say for anyone transitioning out, uh, you know, start a year or a year and a half early talking to people that are in the corporate sector for the brotherhood, man. I know they have people come to, uh, uh, come to the uh, campus and, and talk about the experiences they've had. Uh, but pick pick people's brains early, man. Uh, you might not know what you want to do, but they'll help, you know, with different avenues and things you need to think about and focus on as you transition out. It's, just, it's not easy. Gotcha. Um, the highs and lows, right? Um, the tie-ins. Growing up as a kicker uh, in your experience there at the academy and you know, through high school even, and how that related to your life experiences and how you use some of those lessons today. Are there any key things that you fall back on um, to now when you're doing the day-to-day from that? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, there's more more lows than I could ever share on this podcast an hour and a half, right? Like yeah. from, from high school to, to college. And I mean, I'll share uh, one of the things that, I, again, I talked about, you know, the tough time my mom having uh, when we lost Matt, uh, not obviously near on that scale, but she was up there for a game and it was against air force. And I had hit the upright. My senior, I hit the upright four times. Like how you do that? Like I couldn't do that if I tried, you know, they put hundred balls on the 10 yard line. I couldn't hit the upright four times. So hit it four times. Uh, I missed a field goal with, I call it three minutes left against air force. And we were at the grocery store and, and she had bought a paper and, uh, you know, one of the Washington posts and, uh, had the, one of the smaller headlines in the sports section was shoots, uh, you know, hits upright, loses game or something, you know, against, against air force. And I, it was tough on her. Uh, I had learned to deal with misses. I mean, I think this part of what my parents taught me early on in sports, man, is you're going to have highs and lows. And, you know, early on as a kicker, I, I learned real quick, like the next kick is the most important kick, right? Like forget about the last one. Uh, I mean, I remember walking through Bancroft Hall one time in Halloween, going to study somewhere and someone was dressed up as a blind kicker and it was my senior year. I'd, I'd missed a short field goal against college X. I don't know who it was. Right. Uh, so I learned to deal with that stuff. That was, that was small. Right. But what it taught me was, you know, about failures, like how do you react? Right. You got, you got two directions, right? You can, you can get up and move forward. Right. Or you can, you know, whine about it and, and carry it on with you and let it let it bother you, you know, the next time. And, you know, in your your sheet you had sent out, uh, you know, one of the things I I'd put in there is I felt like from a leadership standpoint and just life standpoint, sports teaches us so, so much. Right. Whether it's me missing a kick or a receiver dropping a pass or a quarterback missing a a wide open receiver or losing a close game, right? We've, we've had to deal with resiliency. We thought that was tough, right? We thought losses and those things were tough. Well, life's a lot tougher than that, whether it's the military or being a dad or, or mom or, or whatever it might be. Uh, but so I learned, you know, through my time at the Academy with my fair share of misses and our, our number of tough losses, our, our senior year, like we're five and seven and lost a number of games by probably within seven, seven points or so. Uh, it's a small part of life too, right? Yeah. Uh, learn your lesson and, and, and move on. And, you know, we're able to take that out to, you know, to the military, right? And, and to being a parent, maybe it's, you know, if I was on a, a night landing and I bolter, meaning I missed the wires, I got two options, man. 
I can come back around and land next time, or I can be pissed off myself, bolter again, then go have to find a tanker in the cloud somewhere and get gas and come back. Right. So thinking, listen, failure's okay. Just learn from it, compartmentalize and, and move on. And, you know, I've talked with a West Point grad at, at uh, one of the companies I work with about, about this topic. And he's a great leader, Ryan Smith. Uh, he was a football player at West Point, And, you know, he talks how, how much he learned in sports and, and was able to apply that, you know, in his leadership roles in the military and in corporate. Uh, and I, I also, you know, think, you know, to tie this in with the relationships I built, right? Like when I had a low dude, Harden was there, Holly was there, you know, Gina was there, like they're there, right? Like, Hey, Chubes, it's not on you, man. This is a team game. And so, yep. I mean, goodness, talk about, you know, helping, uh, you know, pick somebody up. So yep. yeah, plenty of highs and lows. And then for the highs, man, never get too high. Hey, enjoy the moment. Uh, and then, and then move on. And, and if there's anything you can learn from the high, learn and, and take it with you. Yeah. And, and not to self-sabotage that. Um, cool. I was looking at a quote here earlier. I lost it. I was trying to tie it in, but, uh, oh, well, um, with all your life experience, what message would you leave for the next generation? Ooh, that's a good one, man. Kind of broad. Yeah. Uh, I'd say a few things. One is life's bigger and more important than yourself. Uh, you know, there's always something out there that is of greater value. Uh, think about what your purpose in life is challenge yourself in an early age. You know, you talk about things that, you know, was there any aha moment in regards to my religion at Djibouti? Well, there was an aha moment just in general for me when uh, my wife had bought me the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. And, and one of the first questions in there was, what's your purpose in life? And man, that, I began a journey going, what is my purpose in life? Like, what if, if I had to define it and write it down? Like, what is my purpose in life? So I'd say for the next generation, like sit down and I could tell you right now, I could go to high school senior and say, what's your purpose in life? And one out of 10 kids would have a good answer for me because they haven't been challenged and thought about that question. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, figure out what your purpose in life is. Uh, allow your passion to line up with your purpose. Uh, friendships matter. Relationships matter. Uh, build those early and often. Uh, those are the, I guess, big, big things I'd say. Perfect. Good stuff. All right. What's your uh, current, current biggest struggle or obstacle that you're working through? Uh, my biggest. What's up, bud? Oh, you want to come say hi to Tony real quick? So this is my son, Matthew, I was telling you about earlier. Matthew. Hi, Tony. How you doing, Matthew? Good to okay, see you. How you doing? He can't hear him. He's on iPads. He said, how you doing? <laughs> Hi. You doing all right, buddy? Yeah. Good. You taking care of your dad? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. He needs it. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, did you bud. Did already said? Yeah, I did. Hey, y'all go upstairs, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, Tony. I, uh, the question, what was the question? I apologize. Oh, just your, your current biggest uh, struggle or opportunity that you're working through today? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I think in general, I'll tell you is is patience as a father. I think there's there's so much that I, I need to improve on as a dad to be the dad that I want to be for my kids. I don't have the patience I need, Tony, and it's something I, I think about. And I've picked up books and read books, and I feel like my patience works a lot better than my patience at home. Uh, and so that's that's my biggest struggle, no doubt, no doubt. Gotcha. Um, similar. I probably flip it a little bit. Uh, sway it the other direction, which is I don't think yeah. is a good thing. But, um, well, cool. How many kids do you have? I got. I have three. Okay, Brooklyn, Matthew, Finley. Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn thirteen, Finley eleven, and Matthew uh, seven. Yes. Yeah, you got your uh, got your hands full. Yeah. I'm not looking do. forward to that thirteen. Yeah, yours a boy or girl, man? I got two girls and uh, one boy. So. Yep. Yeah. Buckle up, baby. Buckle up, man. I'm getting ready. That's why I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> last one. What's your price of admission? So I, I think the biggest thing when we think about like this podcast and and I've listened to other other people and and their experiences and stories they've shared and places they've been and things that have happened to them is I think sacrifice is absolutely 100%. And and we've shared the story of Matt, right? There's many many other stories out there that men and women have paid the ultimate sacrifice and and beyond that it's it's sacrifice being away from your family. It's sacrificing doing a job you might not want to do. Like there's many jobs in the military that I didn't sign up for. I signed up for the military, but I didn't sign up for that job. Uh, it sacrifices your people you bring into your inner circle, uh, your family uh, and friends are going to have to make sacrifices as well. So be willing to sacrifice and it's worth it, man. It's absolutely worth it. End of the day, uh, the experiences uh, I've had, uh, the relationships I've built, uh, the places I've been, uh, I, I feel like have, have made me who I am today and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it, man. Wouldn't trade it. Awesome. Great story. Appreciate you sharing all the the learnings, the lessons, the stories, uh, the highs and lows, the sacrifice. Absolutely. 100%. I just learned so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Like, this is just, it's really cool. And I recognize, like, your day job and then to fit this in. But the impact, Tony, this is having, like, people are listening to these and stories are being shared, right? Everybody has a story. Yes. And people want to share it. They just need an avenue to, to do that. And it's it's forced me to reflect, uh, you know, on on things in the past and, Man, I just it's 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 much better than turning on country radio and listening to it in my car, man. So thank <laughs> you. Uh I, I truly appreciate it. And and anyone that's willing to come on and share their story, it's just really awesome, man. The archive and, and hours of just amazing memories that are being shared is 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 fascinating. Awesome. Good dude. I hope I hope to keep it going. because um, I just really like learning all the stories. And, and all the key takeaways out of them. So what's, uh, what's your wife's name? Mandy. Mandy. Tell Mandy, yeah. thank you. For Absolutely, man. Tonight, so. Absolutely. Well, I know you're heading to Lake tomorrow. I'm heading to Lake tonight. We're going Thanks. crappie fishing in the morning, man. I'll, yes, I'll send you some pictures. <laughs>
<laughs> Good stuff. All right. All right, brother. Take care. See you, Tony. Take care, bud.